listening to episode 175 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our look at season two of TNT's The Librarians. And been a tumultuous week here in the States and tumultuous Sunday for you. So how was the circus, dude? Yeah, well, it was great. Once we got there, um, had a little rear-ending car accident on the way out. Somebody hit you, I <laughs> Someone hope. Someone hit me, yeah, yeah. Which, uh, so it wasn't, you know, it was like, it felt way worse than it was. You know, I was surprised to see the damage that it wasn't that bad. Um, just knocked off my back bumper. Oh, going or going home? Going to there. So, like, the first thought in my mind was, first of all, was, you know, some expletive. <laughs> but I had my daughter with me, so I didn't say it. And then, uh, you know, my next thought was, like, ah, if we miss the circus because of this, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> yeah. Because she's been, like, this was, like... This is her birthday gift to me. She got me a she got me a voucher for one free child with a paying adult. All right, was was my birthday gift. Um, so she's very excited about going and, and everything. So I, I just thought, you know, I didn't really care about the car. I just wanted to get her to the circus because I knew how disappointed she would be. Yeah. So you returned uh, to your roots at the Ag Center, huh? Yep. Yep. Going back to the old Ag Center. Usually, uh. Yeah, except for tractor pulls this time, we're, we're watching the circus. All right, exactly, which is where I live now and where Wayne grew up. So yeah, anyway, um, so it was cool. You know, it was good. It was you know, it's it's kind of a low budget type circus, but the the performers were uh, very talented. You know, right? Um, and you know, for kids, it's a circus, man. Yeah, she. I mean, she was just she. She loved it. You know, and of course, they have all these extra things to buy. But I'm like, I got out like forty dollars, thinking that would be plenty of money, and that was gone. About ten <laughs> minutes in, I'm like, I'm just, I'm sorry, I don't have any money anymore. But it was cool. We didn't need money. It's fun. Yeah. They had yeah. bottomless snow cones. So there we go. That's right. I saw the picture. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, speaking of bottomless snow cones, tonight we're here to discuss. Wait, <laughs> no wait you can't even pretend that that was a, a, <laughs> no, a that logical work. segue. All right. Well, anyway. I like how you do that though. You just like speaking of whatever we just said. <laughs> I know. Hey, hey. Um, did you see the moon tonight, though? Oh, it's huge! It's awesome, isn't it? Apparently, it's the it's the biggest it's been since 1948. That's what she said, right? So, <laughs> so here on the East Coast, it's been visible for a while. West Coast, it's probably not uh, dark enough yet. But actually, by the time you guys listen to this, it won't matter because it'll be right. five days later. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway. Speaking of five days later, we're here to discuss the Librarian season. <laughs> nice. Well done. <laughs> season two, episode seven, titled The Librarians and the Image of Image. But as always, we want to remind you guys, love to hear from you. Email sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. Website where you can leave a voicemail using the leave voicemail tab. Record your own audio clip. Send us the MP3 as an attachment. Or tweet us at sci-fi TV rewatch and encourage you to consider joining the Facebook group and join the discussions there. Now, the only thing I was going to mention in in terms of my weekly viewing is that uh, I checked out another episode of Black Mirror. Okay. Uh, I think it was the second episode of season two, but it's the one with Haley Atwell. Oh, whoa, that's a great one. Yeah, with uh, her and uh, Domhnall Gleeson. Yes. Now, I liked it... But, you know, I don't know. There's just something. And as much as I like her, and he's great. I don't know where I've seen him before. but You see him in everything. He's okay. in, he was in the, the, the last Star, Star Wars movie. Uh, he was in, uh, oh, you'll probably remember him from, 
at uh, Ex Machina. Oh, right, he right. Okay. But he's been in loads of things. It's uh, Brendan Gleeson's son. Okay. Well, well uh, look, obviously the two of them were great. I, I love the storyline. I love the ending. I mean, I certainly didn't see that ending coming, and I, I thought that was really well done. Uh, I mean, I saw one aspect of it coming, but well, well which, but just yeah, not the I, I like should, seven years later. Actually, spoil it. But no, we oh, won't. Right, we won't. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't. Right. 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 But, but what I, she didn't do, what she didn't do at the end, what she was going to do, but she didn't do it. Then I wasn't surprised by the ending. Right. But. I don't know. It's just not. It's just not grabbing me. So well, I mean, that particular one was. See, it's that that's that was a bad one for you to watch, because it was pretty slow paced. It's all almost internal struggle stuff. But that's two out of the six for seasons one and two. Well, which other one did you not? Well, watch? I saw the first one. Oh, I'm sorry. I yeah. saw the first one of season three. But see, right. That's right. Which that one is objectively an awesome episode, and you just have really sometimes very poor taste. I think I, I, I understood, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, no. But there's, yeah. I mean, if knowing you, those two, and probably the the very first one would be the ones I would say to just avoid. Okay. Um, the the second one of season one, I think you would really like. Definitely the last two of this past season. I think you would like a lot. Of you, you definitely, three. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, um, I guess I'll... I guess the rest of season three, except for the the Bryce, which I, again I like the Bryce Dallas Howard episode, but I understand how I, I I totally get why people don't like it, but I thought it was good. But the the rest of season three was was excellent. So okay, well, I guess I'll um, probably just. But, chip, the, but the great thing away. about it is there's no continuity between, so you could just pick out any episode that strikes your fancy and watch it. You know? Right. And I guess that's what I'll do just as uh, I hit a day where I'm caught up on everything. Yeah. Like that's going to happen, <laughs> but uh, you know, so, but you, uh, you have to admit the, the one Haley, J- Haley Atwell in a bra. Yeah. But, uh, but I, t- I love the story. Yeah. No. Yeah. It, yeah. It was great. And I mean the, the acting, I mean, she's, She's just so. I mean, both of those are, are like I love, and she could be my favorite actress ever right now. Yeah, it's just superbly acted. You know, I didn't even really re- recognize her until she was like dressed up at the end. All of a sudden, like clicked in, like oh my god, it was Haley Atwell. You know, because she doesn't look like herself like the whole time. You know, okay. and and not to go off on a mini dark matter rant, but but again, this is my issue with artificial intelligence. And how they're portrayed on television. I mean, we're at a point where the android on Dark Matter should not talk like she talks. All right. And that's all I'm going to say about it because I've said my piece about that so many times that I'm sure it's getting old for a lot of people. Right. You're thinking that once they can develop, you know, AI, that they should make it so it's seamless, like, like Domino Gleason. You can't exactly tell that. But and she can't, yeah. But she can tell. But she can only tell because she knows that guy so well, right? So, anyway, all right. Well, let's let's talk about the librarians here. The image of image, episode seven of season two, written by Paul Guyot. You just dodged a, a Westworld segue. We could have gone into, but I'll, I'll let it go. Yeah. Well, we, we don't want to talk about, about this every week. Right? Yeah. 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 So directed by Emil Levacetti, who who's directed a number of episodes of Royal Pains and Covert Affairs, which are big TNT shows. And, and we've seen that a lot with, with directors that we don't necessarily recognize them from librarians, but they're they're uh, veteran TNT directors. And then this one aired December 6th, 2015. 
So, you know, it's funny because when I was thinking about a grade for this one, I gave it a B plus, but there's a lot I really like about it. And, and, and obviously the overall theme and and the commentary on our contemporary obsession with self image is I thought was really a, a cool, cool idea. And the way they did it, I thought was really well done. Maybe not as well done as the Bryce Dallas Howard uh, episode of Dark Mirror, but you know, it's just funny because I watched this and that in like the same week, and it's just like wow, <laughs> there's a lot of a lot of comparisons between the two, you know. Well, yeah, well, yeah, and I watched the two in the same week as well, and I guess what I like about the Librarians episode better is just that it was faster paced, right. and 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 certainly I'm more familiar with these characters. But I, I certainly think the characters in, in the Dark Mirror episode were, were certainly well written as well. Sure, but yeah, but there's uh, there's a lot of things. Well, again, when you establish a cast of characters, there's things you can do that the audience will appreciate just because we know these people. And it's either in character or out of character for that person. We're like, ah ha ha, we laugh at that because oh, isn't that so stone that he would do that? Or oh, isn't that funny that Eve is in that? that dress you know because she would never dress like that you know so sure um so it's not like from a objective standpoint i know i've said objective now twice in the last five minutes i'll stop it but from an outside standpoint look you watch that you might say what big deal she's wearing a dress but then as we know the characters in the show we say oh it's you know it's funny and it's clever and you know so right right And, and for me one of the things that I, I guess I'm having a difficult time dealing with, and it's one of the reasons I stopped watching NCIS, which is obviously a non-genre show, but I'd been with it for you know ten or eleven years. But they just have been going overboard on social commentary episodes, and, and while certainly television is an art form, and, and I think it's an important art form, and social commentary is part of that. What I love about the Librarians episode is that that's essentially what they're doing, but. They just do it so well, you know. It, it's there's subtlety. They put it right in your face. It's it you can't miss it, but it, it doesn't feel like um, I'm being assaulted. Right. It, I was about to say it's not heavy handed, but I'm like, well, it kind of is heavy handed. But I like what you said. It doesn't feel like it was heavy, you know. Right. Like because the whole thing dealt with this. But when you really think about it, I guess the whole because the whole selfie thing. It comes back at the end, but they don't hammer out the entire episode, right? Well, right. They kind of introduce the notion of all these people taking the pictures, and then it kind of goes into other areas, I think. So right. and, and that's, then, I guess that's why I didn't feel heavy-handed. So sorry. Right. And then what was also such a great idea is to have Jones sort of as – you know, the the voice of our conscience, you know, pointing out early on that image is everything and you guys – and obviously this is something that we try to teach our students, like it or not, everything that you post is out there forever. Yep. And heck, adults don't seem to act like they realize that. So maybe it's falling on deaf ears, but but certainly that idea uh, comes up here and that, that whole idea that putting your life online can have serious consequences is, you know, something that comes up here. But But again, they're not heavy handed about it. Now, one thing Jones says, and, and this is sort of, you know, the, the I guess the focal point of this episode is that everyone wants to be noticed, right? And we see that great scene where all of the people waiting to get in are staring up at the video screens, right. and then even once they're in, 
that's all they do. Right. Is this narcissism at its worst? Well, I mean, it, it it's, you know, it's no, it's like, it's us. It's This is our, our culture, right? I mean, yes, it is narcissism at its worst. And it's, you know, that's like where we're at kind of. Yeah. I mean, he, I think it's Jones that makes that comment about that. It seems to be more pleasurable to see oneself having fun than to actually have fun. Right. Well, that was, you know, the thing at, at the, uh, at the circus today, cause they said right away, like, you know, go ahead, take pictures, post them, hashtag the, uh, the company that does the circus. And so they, there's this really awesome thing where they had like this little tiny steel cage and three, uh, motorcycles, like whipping around inside of it. It was like awesome. And of course I filmed it, you know, and then I, and then they had actually a girl came in and I'm like, you know what? I'm actually going to like put the camera down, the phone down and just like watch this like, yeah. and, and, and experience this, not record it for all posterity, you know? Right. And, and look, as coaches, we've seen this how many times where the parent has his or her eye in the lens of the camera, the entire game. And, and so much goes on. Yeah off the field that's really cool right and, and, and you're not even seeing it yeah and that's what like last year i ended up getting kind of like stuck with the job for my son's lacrosse team of the you know videographer and i'm like i don't i don't want to do this every time I, i'm not really able to see the game like i don't i don't want to sit up here and record the whole game but uh but i had to it sucked but yeah. i'm gonna have to let the coach know ahead of time that I will not be doing it full time this year. He's going to have to get a get a JV parent. There you go. All right. Well, I think one of my favorite aspects of this episode was that Jacob Stone is the only one that can't get into the club. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Christian Kane fans. Yeah. But but see, that's the beauty of the irony here is that well, the irony the, is like you know Christian Kane is so like patently cool in and of himself, but his character Jacob. Not really that cool. Likeable, awesome, not necessarily really club-type material. No, although his conversation with the doorman, again, was another classic. highlight of classic. the- Classic. One of my favorite moments of the entire series. Yeah, no question. Now, Dorian Gray, again, such a great character you know, in, in literature as well as this episode, and, and also was a prominent character in Penny Dreadful, which I'm sure a lot of you guys uh, watched. So- I, I really like the way they used this character who was a fictional character, but he's not a fictional right. capital F. Right. Well, so. he, he was made a fictional character, but he was an actual real person. Right. Well, so Jenkins says. <laughs> I don't know about that in real life. I mean, maybe. Well, oh, no, 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 no. I mean, yeah, not, yeah, not in yeah. real Obviously, yeah. not in yeah. real life. Well, yeah. I don't know. I'm I, just I, saying in the context of the episode that – Hey, I'm not reading T.S. Eliot biographies or whatever what you purported to be reading last week. I, I am not yet reading my James Joyce biography. I am hoping to read, but I've been hoping to read it for about two years now. So, okay, okay, it's been uh, it's been on the bedstand. Yep, it's it's sitting there waiting. Okay, so and then you know that whole idea that that uh, the theory that as the painting's image gets worse, Dorian Gray stays young. And, and, you know, then that whole idea of power focus and effect gets brought up. And it's, it's apparently something that, that he knows librarians are taught. So I also thought it was kind of cool that, that he has a history sure. with librarians. Oh, he's been so, around forever. So yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. 
So, all right. So the opening scene, the teams in London doing research on Prospero, which again, and even in the next episode, which I've prepared uh, for the next podcast, you know, we just get a little bit of Prospero just to let us know that, hey, we haven't forgotten about him. We'll get back to him. And that's kind of what, what we have here. Stone and Cassandra, you know, see this guy in goth attire, deliberately walk in front of a moving car, get hit, see the car stop. Then a girl goes flying through the air. And okay, well, they determine, well, yeah. this must be magic. But I, I remember the first time I saw it just being like, what? <laughs> I don't even know what just happened. Yeah. And, and of course, they wonder why the clipping book didn't warn them. Yeah, and, and of course, we get an answer to that later on. But the other thing, just before the incident, Stone asks her if she wants to go for a pint, and she readily agrees. And and I, you know, I know some of you guys out there probably stop talking about it. Okay, the the two of them are fine now. But you know, the whole idea with their relationship, and this is where they are now, and we all know how long it took to get there. But I, I think that's all a thing of the past, and I'll try to never mention it again, ever. All right, good. So. Probably that's a lot. But. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so jo- Jones has been off skateboarding near the pyramids of Giza, not <laughs> near them, off the pyramids of Giza, <laughs> and posting photos on social media, much to Jenkins' chagrin. And I, you know, I love their crime board, though. You know, Vera Kira Cameronish at the uh, VPD, but I, I, I want to get one of those for my classroom. You know, the whole the the plexiglass. Oh, board, yeah. and yeah, then you're yeah. right on it with right uh, right yeah um, that is pretty cool i want one of those yeah because then you get like right and like facing the kids and they could be like I, we can't read that it's backwards yeah well turn around then yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right well the, i need the, to keep my eyes on you you little <laughs> there you go all right so the team puts the pieces together and determines that club effigy is somehow linked to these mysterious accidents we find out there's an overdose that that can't be otherwise explained so when Jenkins tells them to embrace the clubbing experience, I mean, we, we get the outcome we know we're going to get, which is that Jones is ecstatic. Cassandra is pretty ecstatic. Yep. Eve wants like no part on, of it. On the old bucket list for Cassie. <laughs> exactly. And we find out a little bit about his past experiences at Studio 54. And I think <laughs> we'd love to see him at CBGB's for yes, sure. No doubt. So but you can't anymore. And you wonder how many of our younger viewers, well, what's CBGBs? Yeah. Heck, and even Studio just... 54. I mean, what's that, like mid-70s, late-70s? Yeah. All right, so this is really funny because um, uh, another parent on on the kids' hockey team, I can't remember why, she's telling a story about Studio 54. I guess in the 90s, she was working in New York, and a bunch of the guys that she worked with were going to go to Studio 54. And she's like, oh, I've always wanted to go to Studio 54. I'd like to go, too. And they're like, no, no, you don't want to go. And they're like, she's like, yeah, I do. I've always wanted to go there. They're like, it's it's a strip club now. It's not a <laughs> disco anymore. And then she's basically like, yeah, well, you know, I'm not going to let you exclude me just because I'm a girl. So, yeah, I do want to go. Let's go. You know, so she went. Okay. So, but yeah, CBGBs, that's like, that's, if I could go back in time, I would find a way to get to CBGBs before it closed up. Cause, yeah, I mean, how much rock history? I mean, dude. 
Going, oh my yes. God, Ramones and nice. Velvet Underground, yeah. Lou Reed after Velvet. Uh, so yeah. you know, I mean, Chris, our coworker, has you know he lived in New York, and he's one day I was listening to Talking Heads in my classroom. And he came by, he's like. You like talking heads? I'm like, yeah, of course I like talking heads. Like, what's what's wrong with you? And, and he's like, yeah, I you know used to see them play at like CBGBs back in the seventies. I was like, get out of town. Yeah, back when he had hair. Back when he he might have had. <laughs> no, he did. Actually, he had really long hair. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Well, in typical librarians fashion. And, and again, we know this scene is coming. We don't know exactly how we're, they're going to present it visually. It's just perfect. Slightly slow motion, four of them walking down the street, four abreast, yep. dance music playing, and you know, then slow suddenly... motion, Quentin Tarantino <laughs> walking towards the camera in slow-mo. Yep. And I think we've seen that before, and I don't remember the actual- uh, We've seen it so much now, it's like a complete- Yeah, but I mean in the librarians even, once yeah. before. Yeah, but, but I'm saying we would not necessarily have noted it because it's just such a cliche now. Like now, people only do this in- like to mock it, right? Right. Well, like the and, first and time it's done, I think, like the, at least the first time I ever saw it was in Reservoir Dogs in the beginning where the whole opening, well, it's not the opening scene, but that whole title sequence is just the the crew. You've seen Reservoir Dogs, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, you know, they were just walking in slow motion. It goes to each guy. They just look cool in their black suits. But now, you know, it's been so overdone that it's just mostly when it's done, it's done, as in this case for satire. That's what I thought they should have nicknamed the uh, school that opened up in our county. Yeah, that's yeah, that's right. For a, they should have been the, for the a dogs. mascot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, I know they really know, missed an opportunity there. Uh, I know. It, it so they're going down the street, and then suddenly Cassandra's ankle turns over. Yeah. <laughs> she takes Stone down with her, and I'm thinking, yeah. all right. So much for their cool badassness. Right. Well, because everyone's like, look at them. Like, oh, man, look at these cool guys. And then, you know, she falls and everything. Like, oh, yeah. And yeah, people yeah well, they're, and they're looking at them like a threat because obviously not everybody's going to get in. And, yeah, you know, the way like, they are carrying themselves, these four are getting in. Yeah. So but then Eve, not so much. Now, now, you mentioned Eve. Uh, I, I don't know. Sort of a female Dracula look. Yeah, I mean, this is really a vamp look. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty cool, Cassandra. I don't some sort of a hip Victorian library. I don't, you know. I mean, it was it, it was certainly Cassandra ish, but you know, with something a little extra. Jones says, uh, "I'm going to call him an English 21st century fop," but not exactly. And then, of course, Stone, the cowboy in black look. Yeah, and and. Uh, didn't yeah. quite work to get him in, but <laughs> no, he looks pretty cool though. Like I was going to say, gelled up and everything. And... Well, I like when he says, "What about this?" Speaks cowboy. Well, maybe the leather crisscrossing straps that look like you know gun holsters or something. But, yeah. but I like Ezekiel's, especially with the uh, the uh, ascot and the high collar and everything. Yeah, yeah, they, they all look so cool. Yeah, to, to be honest, I mean, to be honest, the the one I liked the least was Eve's. Eve's, but. right, exactly. Which you think would be the one we like the most, but it's the one that just see. Well, she's she again. I mean, Rebecca Romain is just uh, you know I don't know if I really appreciate her as an actress very much before the Librarians. You know, to for her to, which is obviously she looks hot in it, but yet she's not comfortable like this and so you know she really like she doesn't give off like sexuality she gives off like discomfort and unease 
uh, in this outfit, which is which is perfect because you know Eve would not be comfortable or or at home wearing these clothes, and she would look awkward and wouldn't be able to really play it up like you know like someone who normally would get dressed like that would. Right, and I would just say that that's a testament to not only her acting abilities, but the director, you know, getting that out of her. Because yeah, I agree. So, all right. Now, I mentioned earlier, you know, the scene with Stone and the bouncer. So, so we see, you know, the bouncer or doorman announces only the chosen, and and, and I love that that choice of a word, you know, the chosen ones. Right. And, and of course, Cassie and Eve are chosen right away, and I think you know one of them makes a comment about how how much that she really doesn't care and thinks that's you know a, a terrible approach to take, and then as soon as she gets chosen, you know, it's like yeah, yippee. <laughs> but uh well again this is cassandra's like this enthusiasm she has to all well almost everything but especially new things that she's always wanted to do and now she finally gets a chance to do it and she's just so like she 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 tries to play cool but she just can't hide that little kid enthusiasm that she has inside of her you know right because the adult in her realizes the hypocrisy of the situation but right uh, you know, like you said, the little kid. Well, once in there, we 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 get this whole uh, bombardment, this explosion of photographs displayed in constant, seemingly random rotation. That that, as we said, the people out on the street get to see as well. Did Jones really say to the two girls, "If I was to buy you a drink, what would I be getting?" Uh, did he say? I don't. I, didn't get I mean, he he did say. Like, you know, it's like like what. So I'm, I'm thinking like, okay, did he mean what should he order for them? Right, right, right. <laughs> well, I think it's a line that kind of works on a def- couple different levels, right? Okay. And I'm, I'm thinking on the one hand, it's like, all right, way to go, Ezekiel. And on the other hand, it's like, dude, really? Dude. Well, um, you, know, we, you know, apparently that's okay now. That, yeah. You know, uh, like if the president can do it, then sorry. Ezekiel Jones can do it. Right. So, all right. So, so you know, we're, we're – at this point, trying to figure out why the delivery guy's photo is in rotation of the chosen ones, especially because he's got like the yeah, you got kind of start a look on his face. Like. Well, plus you can see his little apron, and, right. and I can't remember if you can see the brown paper bag. Maybe not, but you certainly can see his apron. But I love the camera work inside the club because you know, coupled with the music, look, I was never a big fan of dance music. Uh, I was more of a prog rock guy. But there's just something about that, you know, throbbing bass line and, and, and the drums and then the lights flashing. And then, of course, with all the, uh, you know, the photographs and uh, it was just really, really engaging. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's cool. There is there is something very visceral about club hopping. You know, that even if you don't like dance music, it's just, I mean, it, forgive me for saying this, but it you know, grabs you by the balls, right? It's kind of like that. Like, you know, you walk in, you hear the loud music go and you just can't help it you know be brought into that yeah well you know the ones inside eve's on the prowl and and i don't mean it like it would usually right be, be uh like it would usually not, be not taken like to me on the prowl it, 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 more exactly like right um cassie who's never been clubbing is just dazzled by all she sees and and, and you wonder how much of it impacts you know the, the issues she already has with what is this synesthesia a uh-huh. so regardless she's dazzled by everything and then stone distracts the bouncer so jones can get inside okay great sacrifices himself but i think at that point 
it was a foregone conclusion in his mind that he would be getting in shortly as well. Yeah, that, well, that's what he thought. But yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, wrong. I'm Jacob Stone. I'm a good-looking guy. Yeah, yeah. well, um, he's used to you know honky tonks in Oklahoma, and uh, so he you know he, he doesn't just doesn't understand, I guess, the kind of the rules of the of the red tape. Right now, what do you think about Eve's little? I mean, it probably only took about ninety seconds, but revealing her experiences as she moved up the military ladder, and you know, people. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess you would argue, because you already alluded to it a minute or so ago, that, uh, you know, that's somehow accepted. I'm not sure I think it's ever really accepted, but, but you know, I, I think the fact that what she brings up is that she's tired of being judged on superficial things. Sure. And, and, and that, that whole idea that people think they know you by what you look like. Right. And I, I mean, I, I do believe that it's more difficult for for women i mean i know it's not like a astounding thing to say uh revealing but <clears throat> you know obviously we think things have gotten better but still like you know like those traits of leadership especially in a in a guy like oh he's a tough he's a tough leader but fair you know but in a woman she's a bitch you know like so i think it's for women to especially be in, in positions of authority they they can't be like like the dude or a bloke or whatever culture you're in. You know, you can't just be a guy. They have to be a little bit more on their guard, I think, and everything. And just, right, and that's right, and that's why I think it's such a great decision to have the guardian be a woman. Yes, right, yeah. The person who's who's in charge is is a woman. Right. If only we could have more positions of authority where we had women in charge. Hey, we have it at work. <laughs> we do. Moving on. Uh, so so you know, Cassie loves having her photo taken, but then points out she's only had 13 taken in her whole life. And of course, she remembers each one. And I can't remember if she explains why that was, but I mean, come on, 13. I, yeah. But again, we do know her parents. Yeah, had, they're pretty, had, pretty serious people. Yeah. So now Eve, not so much about uh, the picture taking. But Cassie does her thing with the photos, establishes a timeline, which then leads to her trying to predict who the next victim is going to be. But just before that, she knocks down a drink that we later learn was, I guess, spiked to a certain extent. But either way, she gets drunk incredibly quickly. Yes. Well, right. Right. Because it's tied into the Dorian, right? Right. Right. Like she's like he's the one drinking, but she's the one that's experiencing the the symptoms, right? Exactly. Of his drinking, yeah, right. So, so are we just skipping over all the name dropping of, of the? No, of go the, ahead, throw in anything in there. Okay, because we got some big big names, and Stone tricks him, uh, tricks the bouncer into the T. S. Eliot trap. Absolutely right, right. So, so the three gotcha. of them are inside. Stone's kind of playing name the author with the doorman, who's actually pretty well versed yeah uh, yep. well um, and when i'm thinking about the argument because you know stone establishes 20th century poets and i'm like okay you're talking 20th century it's it's tough to argue that america has not produced more great poets in the 20th century than britain but if you go before that you know like the opposite is true right? okay i mean like the the browns could just say shakespeare boom done we're done okay you know but 20th century, 
you got you got I think you got to give it you got to give it to America as far as great poets in in that 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 century. Okay. But they mentioned, like, Dylan Thomas, my absolute favorite poet ever. It brought him up. Seamus Heaney. Love Seamus Heaney. You know, that was great. Yeah, and and certainly they come back to this this scene a little later in in the episode. But at this point, Jones comes out with a photo of the next victim. So the two of them, Jones and Stone, head over to the restaurant where they think she's going to be. And, of course, she is there. But as soon as they get there, girl keels over (laughs) Right. So this is something that I almost would expect Cassandra to be able to figure out. I mean, in some ways, she's kind of the MacGyver of the group, but she's clearly not there. So the girl's dead, right? She has no pulse. They use spoons as paddles. What did they do? Take the wires off a lamp or something? I think, yeah, 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 from a lamp. And then tied them onto the holes in the spoons, which obviously was was handy you know you wonder when they were when they were outfitting the scene and the setting did the first two spoons they went it's like oh these don't have holes in the handle we need to get ones with holes in handle right so but they do that and then and then it's like oh wait a minute we've got to use some sort of conductive material so they don't have any gel so they use mayonnaise yeah they when life gives you lemon make mayonnaise Exactly. And so who was, was it Stone? Stone? Oh, no, no, it was Jones. It was Jones that had the experience from his clubbing days about, I, I guess, people oh. overdosing and, yeah. and having to do this and having to do before. this sort of thing. Or yeah. uh, what's the other Tarantino movie where they Pulp jam fiction. the, yeah, yeah. Uh, in her chest. Yeah. So they get the girl you know, revived. <laughs> The stone gets knocked back six feet or so. Well, yeah, because there's a, a loop. Someone's got to like actually touch these spoons, right? You know, as the electricity goes through them, and hence get electrocuted as well. Oh, you said there's a loop. Yes, that's the next. That's the next right. episode. Uh, oh, right. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, so, all right, so you know, at this point, we're trying to figure out. All right, so how did Cassandra get so drunk? I mean, did we just not see her drink? Was she drugged by the? No, ba- you know, she, no, no. I, I mean, I know we find it out, right, right, but I mean, right, at this point right. in the episode, we're still we're well, still I, I, wondering about right. That. At this point, we're thinking, well, she must have had a little something, but she's never, probably, never drank before in her life, so it's going to affect her, right? Right, a, right, just a little bit, probably. Right. And at this point, you know, the guy that turns out to be Dorian Gray, we don't know it. Although, I think, you know, in the next few minutes or so, I, th- I think most of us probably started thinking, oh, I'll bet this guy is Dorian Gray. But he says that more pictures are taken each year than in all the previous years combined. Now, yeah. I-, I don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> I tried to look it up on Google, but yeah. I mean, it seems like it might be, although on the other hand, it seems like... That's a lot of pictures. That's, that's a lot of pictures. But then when I think about, it's probably now five years, at least now, my my niece's parents bought, you know, bought an iMac for the family. And I think within the first weekend, they had taken over 2,000 pictures, <laughs> right? you know, with the, uh, with the camera. Uh-huh. So, you know, who's to say? Yeah. Uh, well, especially now, I mean, now that we have cell phones, I take way more pictures than I ever took before, you know, before I'd have to plan to take pictures because I'd have to take my camera with me 
Uh, but now I have my camera in my back pocket all the time. I can take a picture of anything whenever I want. I think I've taken 12. I just so went far. to the circus and took like 10 pictures. I know. And I know. a video. Yeah. But he also claims that the majority of these photos taken are of ourselves, which then obviously plays into that theme of narcissism. And I guess in a world that seems to be dominated by the selfie, I guess there's some truth to that. So I know I requested a selfie of you the other night at the Ravens game. And yeah. thank you, by the way, for uh, putting yeah. that up there. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Great game, by the way. We won't dwell on that. So yeah. Got the Cowboys next. Yeah. Uh, now we talked about their outfits. Jenkins shows up. It just impeccably dressed. I mean, it's like Jenkins has as much style as anybody, you know, of the, of the five. Yeah. John Larroquette kind of every role he's been, he's kind of portrayed that cool class, you know, like he's just one of those guys. Right. He's got to be able to carry it. I mean, they can yeah. put whatever clothes and, you know, like you said, the clothes don't make the man always. Sometimes right. the man makes the clothes. And I yes. think you're, what you're saying is that Larry Kett does that. And I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but he senses something off about the place. And, and, you know, when he starts talking like he's been there and, and kind of like 19th <laughs> century and that this is the point that I'm thinking that this guy might be Dorian Gray. Right. Well, I like, Oh, so you were already thinking Dorian Gray. Yeah, at this point I was. Oh, okay. And and again, now I don't know if it's that I, you know, certainly through Penny Dreadful, uh, you know, I've got the whole Dorian Gray mythos, you know, still in my brain. Right. But but yeah, I mean, this was the point at which I, I really started thinking it. Okay. Because I, I mean, I know the first time I saw this, I had no clue what was going on at this point at all. But well, um, I love Jenkins' line. He's like, he's trying to think about when he's been in the club. It's like 1940, 1800, definitely post-Regency. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that, really, he had, well, of course, he always has snappy dialogue like that. Sure. But so, so we start finding out exactly what's going on, that the victims are suffering other people's bad behaviors, which is, of course, why Cassandra is drunk, why, right. you know, the girl got hit by the car, um, you know, the, the, the kid that that's clean overdosed on drugs. Um, and then Jenkins mentions the concept of transference. And of course, Stone gets to do his building research, which he certainly loves doing. And, sure. and we learn that the owner of the house is the artist who painted Dorian Gray in Oscar Wilde's novel. And at this point we learn, however, he's not a fictional capital F, but just, you know, a fictional character, but as you mentioned at the top of the show, no, it, within the context of the librarians, he was real. Yes. Right. Which is even crazier when, uh, you know, when you kind of think about it, right? Yeah. That this yeah, is an I, actual person who's been alive for almost 200 years. Right. And again, when, when, when he determines that the only way to destroy him is to destroy the painting, which they hypothesize is in a nearby gallery it seems like it's too easy. And of course, of course it was too easy. It, it, it ended up being much more complicated than that. Yeah. I, I love then when Jones and stone go to the gallery Yeah, and he can immediately beat the retina scan. Well, he says, do you know the value of these? And he's, and he goes probably better than you. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I love the fact that stone has no comeback Yeah, <laughs> because he knows it's true. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's hilarious. So, you know, the two of them are snooping around. They realize that the painting could be hidden under one of the paintings. And and then, of course, that's when, when Jones suggests shredding them all. But finally, Stone finds what he thinks is the painting, which reveals, I guess, a somewhat hideous portrait underneath, cuts it, magically disappears. So I, I guess I'm not sure why that disappeared like that, because that must not have been the real portrait, right? right. I, I guess right. the real, real portrait's now in the cloud. Yes. So I'm not right. sure what that was Which all was about. hard to, I, still, even like this not being the first time I've seen this episode, still hard to wrap my head around this whole thing. But I was just like, it, it was like, you know, Doctor Who, when I just say, okay, uh, whatever, I'll, I'll just go with it. Well, look, even in real life, I, I'm still... All of my devices, I have an iPad. You know, my wife and I have smartphones now. Do you want to connect to the cloud? No. Do you want to link this to the (laughs) cloud? No. No. So I remember what happened to all those people. Right. Uh, (laughs) Not going to happen to me. My 12 photos are not getting on. Actually, one of them's of my license. (laughs) I gave my old car to my niece. Uh Uh-huh. And I couldn't, you know, I thought I had the title. It turned out it was something else. And, you know, my brother-in-law calls me from the DMV, which, as you know, is just like, you know, a mile down the road from my house. Anyway, long story short, um, we're trying to figure out how I can avoid driving down there to show them my license. He goes, well, wait a minute. Didn't you just get a smartphone? So took a picture of my license. Nice. Sent it, sent it to him. Oh, Dave, I'm so proud of you. I know. I, I felt pretty, pretty good about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So they're face-to-face with Dorian Gray. He mentions that the original painting was destroyed. Such a librarian move. <laughs> and then we find out that he bought immortality with the power of his own vanity, which I don't know that it gets any worse than that. No, it's pretty bad. And, um, you know, obviously in the course of our uh, – our, our day at work, we, we talk about hubris. It seems like almost every piece of literature we deal with, it, it's, a, it's a factor in one way or another. Yeah, it's a pretty universal theme and because we, we want to believe that the, the proud get punished, right? You would like, think. In real life, it doesn't work out that way, but, but, but I mean, it's, I guess actually it often does. So, you know, like, well, that explains NFL wide receivers. Exactly. So. Um, yeah, the, yeah, like, you know, let's take Charles Johnson, right? Or Ocho Cinco or whatever his name ended up being, you know, it's just classic case of the, you know, of the guy who is, you know, rises up on the power of media and then is, you know, just as soon right. washed out. Probably, you know, well. yeah. And we, what do we love? So this is the question I was asking myself. What do we, as people love more, do we love celebrating the accomplishments or do we love kicking the person as he's you know on the way down yeah i mean i would argue we love doing both which one we do more which one we love more you you know i i hate to say it but it's probably true it's the the kicking them on the way down yes but uh you know and then he says what could i buy with the vanity of others and 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 again it, it it becomes this tangled story but i mean we get the gist of what it is he's saying and eve then i guess kind of figures out i think it's eve that is the one that figures out how to bring him down i mean she doesn't 
execute it. That, that's up to Jones and Cassandra. But she takes her own photo. Jones posts it, which releases Cassandra from the magic because it's the last person photographed, I guess. Right. And then Jones is tasked to replace the photos. Again, seemingly easy, but ends up being a lot more complex than, than we first right. thought. And again, the second week where Eve comes up with a cunning and clever plan that uh, we do not see the end game until the very end of the episode, right? Well, is it hers? I mean, we, I mean, when we get to the line at the end of the you know episode or the end of that that segment, I'm wondering whether or not that might have been Jenkins' plan, but. No, oh, yeah. I, well, either way, she's right. Well, she executed executing it. of the plan. Yes, right. So, so she's going one on one with Dorian. They're on the roof of the building, and, and of course, he thinks he's safe. Here's the hubris thing again, because whatever happens to him will happen to Eve. Taunts her about being a guardian alone because you're the faceless ones. But you know, I, I think, and I wonder, and and I, I don't know that we'll ever get any backstory on previous guardians but you wonder whether she's achieved a level that others before her were unable or unwilling to achieve right you know most on your walger was was the only other one we've really seen right and she was pretty good she was pretty good and again another woman yeah uh she trusts jones is going to do his part jenkins appears and, and then dorian says you people take mortality for granted you don't deserve it and then we find out that Jones has created a portrait of Eve out of the photos of Dorian. And then here's where she jumps off the roof. And I, again, he vanishes and then she's down there. Worst plan ever. <laughs> yeah. Which leads me to think maybe it was Jenkins plan yeah. as opposed to, yeah. um, but right, right. Exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah. Right. She totally didn't come up with that plan. Regardless, all's well, all's well that ends well. Yes. So, uh, so we get back to the library, the episode debrief and, and Cassandra sleeping off the hangover, the big dark glasses, you know, like some Hollywood starlet of the sixties. <laughs> it, it was just classic. I loved it. Yeah. And, and, and love that Jones can't resist annoying her, but he's a bit reserved because he does appreciate the fact that she has a hangover when she was getting sick while he was creating the portrait. Did you notice she puts her head on his shoulder, sort of, sort of sister-like? Which again, I, all these little subtle touches that they're they're really easy to miss. And and you know, I you know, I have the benefit of of seeing it as as you do multiple times. But I, I really love that. But then we see Eve staring at that photo, and, and we're wondering what it is she's looking at. And 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 I'm glad they showed it to us. You know, I was afraid we weren't going to see. You know right. who was in the photo, but of course it's her with Flynn, which hopefully signals that his we'll return. See, yeah, we'll see. Well, we only got three episodes left, so we're you know should assume that we'll get Flynn back soon. Now, now we do learn about the clippings book that it only alerts to new threats, and since Dorian was an old threat, yeah, that that answers that that question they had. Ongoing, they should have an archive section of the clip, clipping book or something like that. You know, just like, oh, by the way, you know, this right, this one's about 150 years old. Might want to attend to it. Right, and and you know, I know I've said several times that I, I would hope at some point we really get a Jones centric episode where it's more than just 
you know, the clever kind of self-obsessed thief and, and maybe something more introspective. And, and we get a little bit of that. I mean, he's got that pep talk, you know, about the fact that it's the librarians who die, that they're all expendable. And then who wants tacos? <laughs> and I love the way they did it. It's just, you know, it's, it took about 20 seconds, was meaningful from the heart. So unlike Jones, right? And then who wants tacos? Yep. And so, in answer to the question, do tacos help hangovers? The answer is no, but they make you feel a little bit better, though. Exactly. Um, and then Jenkins, tacos, so. <laughs> right? Well, they can't hurt. Well, yeah, exactly. I guess they can. Well, they can. <laughs> yeah. So Jenkins ends up by telling Eve that the four of them should reflect on why they were chosen for the battle to come, and. I assume he means Prospero. Prospero I don't know sure. what else he could right. what else he could mean. So, I you know I, I'm I'm still I, I by the time I I post it maybe I'll change my mind. I, I a B plus is I think a, a, certainly a high grade, and I may go A minus. But for right now, I'm going to go B plus. Yeah, I, I I say B plus too, just because it gets a little too goofy and even uh, after watching it more than once uh the ending still was like kind of like it, it wasn't as intuitive as as other endings are so not exactly Duzek's machina but yeah 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 right in the ballpark exactly it is kind of from left field a little bit so but still a, a great episode and really like as far as enjoyability like an a for sure but like i said just that that, that one part, uh, the the ending just seemed a little bit, and I, I think actually because it seems like the the conflict is one that I guess it seems greater than something that could be wrapped up in a half hour or not uh, or an hour or forty five minutes, you know, forty two minutes, whatever. You know, do you remember what the idea is that we're exploring here? That this uh, self obsession, this narcissism. You know, because I think that gets lost a little bit exactly. in, in the last few minutes of the episode. Yeah. Well, I think it gets, it's totally dumped. And it, well, they bring it back at the very end a little bit. But I think they when they get into like saving the girl at the, the restaurant and the at the argument uh, with the bouncer and everything like that kind of gets away from. And that's why we said it wasn't, you know, heavy handed, uh, this the, this theme, because they um, there, there's all this other parts of the adventure that that take place yeah so maybe if they made it like 60 minutes long you'd probably be able to work their way to the conclusion a little bit more smoothly and then i'd probably say yeah but if they cut 10 minutes out of it yeah yeah, it's a little too long exactly so uh all right well you want to leave it there i think so okay hold on let me let me go just take a quick we got time Oh, uh, Ezekiel ordering a $300 drink with Jake's credit card. And then he doesn't even get to drink it. No, yeah. it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, right. And then it sits on the, sits on the bar. Yeah. The, uh, oh, when the, the photographer asks uh, Eve if she'd like a private screen, like she actually starts to like, you know, like come at him. You know? All right. All right. Well, sounds good. Uh, now, so we'll. Tell you guys what we're doing here in a second. So Yeah, I'm actually kind of, I can't remember what we said we're going to do. All right. Well, what we're going to be doing next week is we're going to cover episodes eight through 10. Now, we're not going to do them in the depth that we've 
you know, been doing up to this point. So the, the podcast will probably be about the same length it usually is, you know, 50, 52 minutes or so, but, but we're going to deal with each of the three episodes so that we're up to date for the season three premiere the following week. I think that makes the the most sense. Yep. So we want to thank you guys for joining us tonight. Love to hear from you with follow-ups about the librarians or anything else you think we should be watching. Encourage you to join the Facebook group. If you've already a member, spread the word. Emails to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. Voicemails via the speak pipe tab, which you can access through the website. As we said, we'll be back next week to discuss season two, episodes eight through 10 to prepare for the season three premiere. But till then, yeah, Dave, I'm not as think as you think I am.